Welcome to this episode of The Professional, a podcast series brought to you by ProfMed, a medical aid that understands that the professional of tomorrow is ever-changing. It's the mid-2000s in Cape Town, five years after Ella Munger started practicing as a medical doctor. And from the outside, her life looks close to perfect. Oh, I, I was in a GP practice. I was seeing 30 patients a day. Um, you know, I was driving an Audi A4. Um, I was going on overseas holidays. Her business is thriving. The years she spent at university are finally paying off. Ella and her husband are talking about having kids. It seems like the next obvious step in a successful life. And yet she says... There's this feeling of disconnect, like she's living life on autopilot. And this vague sense of unhappiness is creeping up on her. There was something in me that was stirring. And I felt like I wasn't being creative. You know, I felt automated. Like I went to work every day. I had a room, waiting room full of patients. And as I'm seeing my patients, I'm... You know, just prescribing pills, I'm writing out scripts, I'm writing out sick notes. And yet, uh, there was a human being sitting in front of me with a story, with a history. And I think that my dissatisfaction stemmed from feeling really ill-equipped to support that person. The funny thing is that some of the symptoms she's picking up in her patients, people are feeling washed out and depleted and depressed... She's noticing them in herself too. The inability to really, really relax. And by relax, I don't mean watching Netflix or watching sport, okay? We might think we're relaxed, but actually our biological system is not dropping into that rest and digest mode. Okay, so um, insomnia is a, is a big symptom that we're seeing in so many people. Little niggles, physical niggles, like irritable bowel syndrome, heartburn, constipation, bloating. So digestive systems are very common physical symptom. Fatigue. Fatigue, absolutely. Uh, Irritability. Our disconnection from the sources of support, sources of energy, natural energy. Today, these are all recognized symptoms of a global modern phenomenon burnout. But back when Ella was trying to work out what she was dealing with, burnout didn't even exist as a diagnosis. Yes, she was a burnt-out physician treating burnt-out patients, and she didn't even have a name for the condition she was up against. Eventually, that frustration she was dealing with, it propelled her into a whole new career. One that steered her away from the strictly scientific medical know-how she had spent years accumulating and towards an alternative, holistic perspective on health and well-being. One that many of her colleagues dismiss as esoteric or pseudoscientific. A career focused on things like mindfulness, energy management and breathwork. So why does a successful GP abandon her practice and embrace such an unconventional path? What drives her to step away from everything she's learned? And what does it tell us about the way we currently treat our own illnesses? 
I'm Bongani Bingwa, and this is The Professional, a podcast from ProfMed about how the world of work is changing in new and surprising ways. In this episode, we're taking a deep breath and talking about the dangerous consequences of our always-on culture. We find out how and why some doctors are changing the way they treat patients by looking beyond Western medicine for solutions to a growing global epidemic of burnout. And we learn how taking better care of our bodies and minds can make us happier, healthier and potentially wealthier. When Dr. Elamanga was a teenager, breathing was just something she did, like all of us, unconsciously. And her body? It was a tool, one she wanted to use to tell stories. Back in school, Ella wasn't interested in modern medicine or the future of integrative healthcare. She didn't care about how breathing could help the body heal. Instead, she dreamt of doing something ancient, something steeped in tradition and ritual. She wanted to study Indian classical dancing in a country that her own grandfather had left when he was just a boy. I remember sitting on his lap and listening to incredible stories of how he grew up in India and stories of his childhood and his belief systems and his innate spirituality, something that, I, that has really stayed with me. But Ella's family, they brushed off the whole dance idea as a phase. And they weren't keen on her next idea either, to become a journalist. You know, I was always interested in stories. And looking at where my life is now, um, I'm back to that. I'm back to listening to stories again. And it's just interesting when I look back at my, my early years, there was something in me that was always there. Ella didn't become a dancer or a journalist. She ended up graduating as a medical doctor to the total delight of her parents. But that love of stories, of human connection, it eventually brought her full circle to where she is today, listening to the stories that our bodies tell us. These days, Ella's what's called an integrative medical practitioner, someone who is a legitimate, qualified doctor but is also interested in treatments that don't always fit the mold of modern Western medicine. Integrative medicine doesn't look at one particular tool as the answer. It looks at our lives in context of our history, our environment, our genetics, our emotional life, our relationships, our habits and patterns. And so if we are to support sustainable wellness, then we have to look at the person, the whole person, rather than just one symptom in isolation. So it's not just about, you know, uh, writing a script, uh, dispensing medicine and off the patient goes. There's a connectedness, isn't it, to the people you're trying to key. heal? That is key. And there's a relationship between us, there, it's not me sitting behind my desk prescribing a antibiotic as the answer. We sit together and we craft and we strategize a way of living and being. 
And Ella is particularly interested in how some of these tools can be used to fight one of the worst problems we face as a consequence of our fast-paced, always-on lifestyles. One that she battled herself. Burnout. We perceive everything as high demand. And so the survival mechanism starts to fire constantly so that we become locked in it. So we are responding or reacting in that way, even if it's not appropriate. What do you mean? So even if the situation doesn't require an adrenalized response, we are still unconsciously reacting in that way. So stress hormones are pumping through our system constantly. Okay, so the body doesn't have a chance to drop down into that relaxation mode where healing can happen. Psychologists first started using the term burnout in the 1970s to describe a problem they were picking up more and more. People working in human services jobs who began to feel emotionally exhausted and eventually became completely disconnected from their jobs. For a long time, the scientific community dismissed the whole thing as pseudoscientific or some kind of fad. They called it pop psychology. But this one academic researcher, Christina Maslach, she developed a questionnaire to assess common symptoms of burnout, and it's called the Maslach Burnout Index. And the more people took that MBI questionnaire, the more scientists sat up and took note. Still, it took decades for the medical community to start taking the problem seriously. The World Health Organization finally recognized burnout as an occupational syndrome in May 2019. But back in the 2000s, when Ella was seeing patients as a GP, treating countless hollow-eyed professionals who'd lost interest in their jobs or their lives, she wasn't really sure that she was doing everything she could to help them or herself. During all of this, Ella met a woman called Marissa, a social worker who had some pretty different perspectives on health and wellness to the ones she'd been taught in medical school. We started having conversations about what holistic wellness really meant. And we shared the same idea of creating a space where people could come in and really heal and be supported on a physical and emotional level. And she started to offer some counseling services in my practice. And it was then that I started to broaden my understanding of what mind-body medicine really meant. And I felt inspired through the conversations that we had to start practicing in a different way. And one day she said to me, well, why don't, you just, why don't we just work together? And really, I woke up one morning. I remember this. I woke up one morning and I just knew this is what I had to do. And I made the decision there and then. I was going to sell my practice and put it on the market, got a buyer straight away. And that was it. What did your family think? They thought I was crazy. They, they, they thought I'd lost the plot. Because, you know, their dream for me was to go off and specialize. You know, that was the next step. Yeah. You know, perhaps even do a, um, a degree of another degree or specialize in obzangaini or pediatrics or, you know, the next step. In and you were <laughs> wrapping everything up 
closing shop to do what? How did you explain this to them? How did you sell this new vision for your life? Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I actually didn't say much. I just did it. And just like that, Ella joined a growing community of medical professionals who are trying to help people in new and different ways. They're drawing on knowledge that is thousands of years old and combining it with modern medical know-how and the latest advances in science to try and help people deal with the root causes of their illnesses instead of just treating the symptoms. There's no one that knows us better than ourselves, really. So my work is to support people to listen to their own wisdom, to their own inner voice, to the intelligence of their own bodies. And so that's the work, is to create awareness, to help people to take a step back and say, have you, have you really looked at it like this? What does that mean in a consultation? I'm in your rooms, I'm feeling certain symptoms, I'm experiencing certain difficulties. What does that mean in terms of how that conversation might go and the diagnosis you might reach? Mm. So I often ask the question, when did this start? When did you first experience this symptom? What was going on in, in your life at that point? I listened to the story of where they've come from, how they've grown up. Often I will start to see patterns of experiences of early life or conditions that people have been predisposed to, family history. And so we start to create these, these pictures that eventually comes together that often people say, ah, now I get it. Okay, so what can we do now? What support is needed to start unraveling this pattern or to create a new way of being? How do we support the body, the body-mind system, to find balance again? But this approach, it's pretty controversial in the medical field. Integrative medicine is seen by many doctors as just a fad, much like burnout once was. The real worry is that people who desperately need serious medical help might turn to new age alternative treatments or complementary therapies instead. Therapies like homeopathy, Reiki, biofeedback. They're all seen as subjective, they're not backed up by science, and they offer zero guarantees in terms of outcomes. What can we guarantee with Western medicine? You know, Western medicine is great at suppressing symptoms. You know, we have pain, we take a painkiller. Okay, where there's inflammation, we take an anti-inflammatory. But yet, what's going on underneath that? So what side effect is being created by constantly suppressing symptoms? We're creating more dysfunction. So you just replace that with breathing techniques and Bob's your uncle, everything so, is fine? So the integrative model does not look at one particular thing as the answer. There is no magic bullet. And I think that this is something that we need to be aware of, even with natural medicine, with anything. There is no one magic bullet. We need to see our lives in context. And we, we are systems within systems. And I think that's the idea, is how do we support these 
interconnected systems in the way that we are naturally designed. Ella is particularly interested in two aspects of integrative medicine that Western science is yet to fully embrace, energy management and breathwork. She's written books on both subjects and believes they have a huge role to play in treating what she calls a global energy crisis. And Ella says being mindful of your body, your breath, your thoughts is key. I think it's a way of living that is conscious and aware of the way that we think, the way that we feel, our, our connection with our bodies, being conscious of the constant signals that our bodies are constantly sending to us. And it's, it is about responding to what we're becoming aware of. So many of us live life unconsciously driven by subconscious patterns that are so deeply ingrained very early on in our lives. And that creates a kind of a neural pathway, a habit of feeling, a habit of thinking, which feeds into our behavior. So when we start to become mindful, we start to shine a light on what those patterns are. And we make a choice. Is this pattern serving us or not? The easiest and cheapest way into the state of mindfulness is something each and every one of us does every day, thousands of times, without even thinking about it. And Ella is a huge fan of how conscious breathing can change our state of consciousness. The old advice of stepping back and taking a deep breath, it's a real thing. Because when we do that, immediately we become more mindful. So the, breathe, the, the breath is a fascinating mechanism. It is both unconscious and conscious. So what I mean by that is that we don't have to think about the way we breathe. We just, we breathe. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't breathe. But yet we are able to consciously override that automated breath by breathing in a certain way. And when we do that, something happens in the brain. So we shift from autopilot mode to being aware. As soon as we become aware of the breath, then we can become aware of our physical body. Then we can become aware of the way we think and the way we feel. So it is a way in to experiencing awareness. There's a growing body of evidence that the way we breathe really can help us manage our stress, improve our relationships, and maybe even lose weight. One of the biggest global proponents of breathwork is Dr. David O'Hare, a French GP who came up with a method of breathing that helps you regulate your heartbeat. He calls it cardiac coherence, but it's also known as the 365 breathing method. So you do it three times a day, six breaths per minute for five minutes. So you breathe in for five seconds. And out for five seconds. For five minutes straight. And you do that three times a day, 365 days a year. And this breathing is supposed to trick your body out of its stressed, alert, fight or flight mode and into what's called the rest and digest mode. What's meant to happen is that we're meant to calm down to our rest and digest mode 
in medical terms, the parasympathetic response. And this is when the body is able to replenish its energy stores. This is when inflammation is brought down. This is when cells regenerate. And if we're not giving our bodies that opportunity to drop into that space, then eventually adrenalized energy will have a devastating impact on our entire body-mind system. Okay, hold on. Doesn't this all sound a little out there? A little woo-woo? Turns out there is serious medical data to back up this idea that the way we breathe can influence our state of mind and also give us vital clues about the state of our body. Science is starting to understand the powerful ways in which breathing actually works. And so when we inhale, we know that there's a slight increase of our energy. So our heart rate increases slightly. And when we exhale, the heart rate decreases slightly. And this measurement between the change of the heart rate on the inhale and the exhale is a measurable that is called heart rate variability that is now a measure of resilience of the system. So the more resilient, the more adaptable our autonomic nervous system is, the higher our heart rate variability. And science is starting, well, not starting to, has proven this. Sports people are starting to use heart rate variability as a measure of their performance. And Ella believes it's only a matter of time before the power of breath work, mindfulness and energy management are accepted by the mainstream medical community in the same way there have been in Eastern philosophies for thousands of years. And the exciting thing is that we are at this point where we are able to measure why that wisdom is so powerful. And so science is starting to catch up to ancient knowledge systems. But how seriously is all of this being taken? Well, I think that there is still a lot of uncertainty and fear in many camps. Uh, You know, anything that is unknown is scary. Anything that doesn't fit according to this formula and and challenges the status quo is is going to be challenged, you know. But um, the reality is that it's not working. Current systems are not working. They are failing. We cannot deny that. And it's not. So, mm-hmm. And it's not just about the body. It's about all kinds of discipline when it comes to all-round health. We do not operate in isolation. We forget that we are part of nature. And so we are governed by natural laws. And so to think that we operate in isolation of nature, of each other, is, it's arrogant. And so it requires a certain humility to understand that we are interconnected systems, part of each other, part of nature. The really interesting thing about this movement, this return to ancient wisdom, is that it might well also be key in future-proofing the next generation of medical professionals. As artificial intelligence and digital technology improve exponentially, computers are set to take over many of the tasks currently being performed by people, including doctors. 
AI can already produce a diagnosis from an X-ray faster than a trained radiologist and with pinpoint accuracy. Better technology means drugs can be developed far quicker and your own individual health can be monitored with exceptional accuracy. One day, robots could be performing highly complex operations better than surgeons. And the more the tech improves, the more likely we are to move away from reactive disease management to proactive prevention and health promotion. That shift could disrupt the entire health sector and leave many medical professionals out of a job. But the human connection that Ella believes in so passionately and the ability to look at the whole person rather than just a constellation of symptoms, those are the things that computers won't be able to do anytime soon. And so the human touch, the integrative approach, these could become even more key to the work that doctors do in the future. Ella has embraced the path she chose, out of burnout and into a whole new professional field, and says the changes she made ended up changing her in ways she never could have imagined. Wow. You know, when I first described how I was feeling in my GP practice, feeling lack of meaning and purpose, I'm at the other end of the spectrum. Every single day, I am so blown away by the human spirit and our capacity for growth and change and healing. And every day I have the privilege of listening to incredible stories of incredible human beings and the tenacity that they, they have in making change and being a part of that journey to support sustainable wellness and continued growth. I'm Bongani Bilingwa. You've been listening to The Professional, a podcast from ProfMed about how successful South Africans are helping to redefine the world of work.